spoiler. It's, is yeah. it county or country? It's country, isn't it? Country, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. you can you can put it however I'm you so want. I'm so dyslexic. I, re- I always read it as county, and of course, it's country. <laughs> <laughs> county right. wouldn't be too county. bad. Spoiler country, 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 country. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I just... Anytime. I just do we're, it. Yeah, we're going. Hey, this is Liam Sharp, and I'm the artist on... Well, I've just been the artist on The Green Lantern, and before that, Wonder Woman, and I'm doing something really exciting, but I'm currently on spoiler country, having a good old chin wag. <laughs> Perfect, dude. Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. If you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on SpoilerVerse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us or leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at SpoilerCountry at gmail.com. Welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. Johnny is off today. And today on the show, well, it's Liam Sharp, isn't it? And uh, I got lucky enough to sit down with Liam and have an, an amazing chat about Jack Katz. Uh, he has an, a Kickstarter campaign that just recently funded called The Unseen Jack Katz. I suggest going over there and checking it out. It was a lot of fun speaking with Liam. I, I really enjoyed my time. I can't wait to have him back on. And I really think you guys should sit down and relax and, and listen because uh, he's one of uh, one of the he's 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 a good one. <laughs> he's one of the good ones. So let's. Uh, I don't want to waste any more of your time. So let's just sit back, relax, and listen to Liam Sharp in his own words. All right, guys, we're back, and today on the show, we're super lucky because, well, if you knew. I've been reading the current Green Lantern run with Grant Morrison, then you know this guy's work, and he has been in the comic book industry well longer than a dog's age. So <laughs> it's been a it's been a quite a run. He has an amazing Kickstarter out right now that's supporting a very special somebody that is uh, very important to the comic book world. Liam Sharp, man, thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure, man. And you're right. I have been around forever, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going back. You started off in the 80s and you're still going strong. So, yeah. Man. I still feel like a kid in a sweet shop, though. You know, I, I, I still, every day I wake up and pinch myself, especially recently, because it has, you know, it's been, a, it's been quite a, a run the last five years from, you know, Wonder Woman, then straight onto this 24 issue run with Grant, and yeah, and then getting to write the Brave and the Bold stuff in between as well. It's 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 good, and I've got another six issue thing coming up, which I can't talk about yet, but it's going to be really exciting, and it's another uh, name writer. So, nice. Um, I feel a bit blessed at the minute. So currently, though, you just finished up Green Lantern with Grant Morrison, yep. and we just talked about it a little bit. What was working with Grant like? 
Oh man, I love Grant. He, we had such a ball. It, it was so sweet, actually. The last script, right at the end of it, he wrote a little note just saying, I just want to say this is the most fun time I've had in comics and I'm a better writer for having worked on this series with you. No and honestly, way. I feel the same because I'm, I'm, I'm so much of a better artist for having worked with Grant. He just cut me so much sort of slack to go wild on it. And the, the journey we went on, because we had this idea that it would be not just uh, a journey through space and time and matter, but also through sort of the medium of comics itself. So the, the first issues were all very traditional, very uh, old school, pen and ink, you know, sort of referencing all sorts of people like John, uh, John Broom and, and uh, you know, all the class Neil Adams going right through to the last few issues where he just went nuts. And yeah. it, it sort of almost becomes very, very Grant Morrison-y. I, I've coloured all the last five issues now myself very sort of painterly and it, it's it's just it, it's gone on such a journey and he's given me such sort of crazy vistas and epic stories to draw that it's been it's been a joy isn't that and he's he's just a great guy isn't that crazy you've been in the comic book industry for 25 30 years and and you're just now saying man this is probably the the best experience i've ever had and i, I think that goes to show <laughs> what that does for people that you know you, yeah, when you have a love yeah. or something and a passion, it just it it it's always new, isn't it? I think I think it's true, but I think as well sometimes you just luck out. I mean, it, you can end up kind of stuck in a pigeonhole for a long time, not yeah. through anybody's fault in particular, but you know you might be put on a book where they're looking for a particular style and they want you to sort of adhere to that. And you know, I've tended not to rock the boat particularly, and and just be a, you know a bit of a good little solid worker and. But this time I just, especially working with Grant, I felt like, you know, here's a chance to really cut loose and, you know, be inspired by the people that really inspired me. So there's a lot more kind of Bill Sienkiewicz and Dave McKean and uh, Richard Corbin and all sorts of 70s yeah. influences in, in the recent work that, that are the people that really inspired me and uh, and set me on fire, which is also, you know, we're, we're talking about Jack Katz. Yeah. Uh, he, he'd been a big influence all the way through this Green Lantern run, particularly the, the sort of epic early issues where I was putting in an insane amount of detail into the pages. Well, you, so, yeah, it's it's all those classic guys. Yeah, well, bring, talking about Jack Katz, you have a very special relationship with this guy, and you guys are doing a Kickstarter for him. And maybe mm-hmm. you guys, maybe you can tell us a little bit about Jack and, and why he's so important and what the Kickstarter is about. Well, he's one of those guys that I stumbled across in the early 2000s online. And I was just kind of gobsmacked. I, I saw his work and was just like, why the hell have I not seen this guy's stuff before? It's amazing. And it was everything that I kind of love. You know, yeah. it, it reminded me a bit of Barry Smith. It reminded me a bit of uh, Michael Kaluta and, and the great. Uh, you know, it was just beautiful black and white line work with fantasy and science fiction, incredible detail, beautiful um, compositions. And I was like, why the hell have I never heard of this? So then I started looking into it and it realized that it had been a completely sort of independent publication. It was done eventually through Bud Plant, I think, issue three. Wow. It went, that's, um, an, that's, and a, it was, that's a name yeah. I haven't heard in a long time, Bud Plant. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he... I used to, one of my favorite stores at San Diego was always his his stand because it had so many great art books and yeah. uh, you know that that's just stuff that really speaks to me. So I I, I always uh, used to go and visit Bud's 
the stand whenever since the first time I went to San Diego, which was back in the early nineties. But yeah, he he back in the day was pioneering that sort of mail order approach to comics, which is like the really early days of independent publishing. And you have to take your hat, hats off to to it really. And the more I looked at it, the more I discovered, you know, the First Kingdom was this massive story that he took. He, he took like it's, it's over a thousand pages long. Oh wow! And you kind of think, I know it's insane. And, and when you look at the pages, you think, how did he do that in that time? Because the 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 attention to detail and the the mastery of the the environment and the world building is just astonishing. So anyway, I, I I saw this online and I started posting about it and talking about it. And because I've been talking about it, when Titan put out their 2003 hardback collection as like a six issue hardback collection of the First Kingdom, yeah, they asked me to do the afterword. Oh, and awesome. all of this was before I met Jack. I, I, I didn't know where he lived or anything. I had no idea. But I was very happy to do that for them. And then literally three years ago, there's a little town nearby us in, in the east bay called concord and they have a really nice little well they have had and will have again i'm sure a, a lovely little local convention there and steve wyatt who runs it who's a good friend he, he asked me if i'd if i'd pop along uh, and do some signing for the day which i was happy to oblige and uh, I, I got there and jack was there <laughs> I was, my mind was blown so i had to go and say <laughs> hello to him you know <laughs> Were you a little starstruck just because of how I much you've been totally looking at his stuff? Starstruck. Yeah, he, he, oh, my my legs were shaking. <laughs> you know, oh, I, I'm still a fanboy. You know, I'll yeah. never stop being a fanboy. I so I was it. like, oh my, Jack, I just wanted to, you know, say thanks for everything. Uh, I wrote the afterword to, um, you know, the First Kingdom Titan books, and he was, I, and he drew me a little sketch, and then came over to the table and said. This was meant to be. This was meant to happen. You know, we've got to stay in touch. <laughs> and it turned out he lived literally half an hour away from me down the road oh, uh, in, awesome. in Richmond. So um, we struck up a friendship there, and I went out to his place. And then he just started showing me all this incredible work that nobody's ever seen. Oh. And that was really it. You know, once 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 he did that, I was like, why has this never been published? Right. And, uh, you know, it's just... It's mind-boggling. And the thing with Jack as well, I mean, he doesn't compromise. He won't compromise. He he, he refuses to... He started out working for the, the sort of the bigger companies and and Marvel back in the day. Yeah. And, you know, God, I mean, he trained with Alex Raymond. <laughs> he, he's really from that. He started out when he was in like 13 years old when he was in the first studio. Wow. Back, back in the 30s. It's just crazy. That's crazy. crazy. Did he work with Kirby well, and... For, yeah, he knew Kirby really well. He oh, used to God. go and sit in his uh, swimming pool because he couldn't swim, so he'd always sit in the swallow at the shallow end. Yeah, and, uh, and talk to Jack. You know, the two Jacks. You know, that would have been a conversation to have uh, witnessed. Oh man, to be a fly on the wall on that. They, and they would debate about because because the difference between the two is that, that Jack Katz was always about let's mature the field. He wanted to tell stories that were for grown-ups yeah and that was his real passion so you know if you've seen the first kingdom nobody's got any clothes on which obviously in in the 70s was less likely to raise an eyebrow right but you know it's it, it it was not salacious and he he's not a salacious individual in in terms of his stories right they're very sort of epic and biblical and they they are they have a lot of gravitas but he he 
he's he's not sort of he doesn't shy away from the from the nude human body. It's just you know something he sees as beautiful and natural, and that's you know that's part of that. The nature of that story is that it starts in a, a primitive past, a primitive magical past, and then it becomes kind of more and more of a science fiction epic that sort of encapsulates the stars and everything and and space travel and gods and giants and you know there's everything there's, it's awesome. there's huge beings there's normal sized people and there's little fairy folk running around it's just it's hard it's hard to even get your head around this the scope is so vast his work is amazing and i highly i really really implore everybody to go to kickstarter.com and check and just look for the unseen and you'll come up it'll be the unseen jack cats and that's cake atz with the cats with a k and a z at the end there his guy's work is unreal. It's yeah. I could see that he was a huge influence on Bernie Wrightson. You know the the detail uh-huh. and like that 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 one that you show on here, the haunted painting. Wow, yeah, just wow, <laughs> isn't it amazing? <laughs> that so that six that six page story. I'm inking myself, and we're going to show it in the pencil form. Yeah, and then I'm going to uh, do it an inked version, which we're going to get lettered up as well so it's so people can see it from its original state it was actually a rejected story from the 60s which is crazy and there's a there's a a beautiful little romance story which was also rejected and they've never been published or seen it's crazy and it is crazy stunning and the haunted painting i you haven't even seen the best page from that (laughs) there's one there which is like if you see it you kind of think are you sure this wasn't like Frank Miller from like the the the, the late eighties? It's just fantastic. Wow! Yeah, this first kingdom looks just crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't even like I can't draw stick figures. So when I see things like this, it just blows my mind. And when you sit down and you're looking at like the haunted painting, like we we're just looking at, and you're going to put yeah. pen to it, do you, I mean is your hand shaking? What are you What are you thinking? <laughs> like I don't want to mess this well, up. No, I'm not going to ink the original. I'm going to. It's printed out in blue line, right. so I'm inking that. You know, right. Uh, I couldn't touch that. The the one that I did ink though, which was over the original, was for the central main story, which is called Kingdom. The Kingdom Artemis Rises, it's called, and that's the one that we got lots of different artists to draw to ink a page on. Yeah. Uh, which, which in itself was just, you know, I started asking, it seemed like an idea. I thought if I did that, we might be able to well, do two things. One was just to see Jack's work sort of interpreted by modern creators. Cause the guy's 93, you know, right. and he's, he's not been in the spotlight for a long time. So I thought that would be really fascinating, but also it gave us all a chance to show our appreci- appreciation for him. And, and also so I thought cool. it might help, you know, get a little bit more legs for the whole project because all of us have got a different um set of followers you know yeah so it it seemed like it might really help because this is the sad thing here's a guy who you know completed this vast epic work the first kingdom and you know sort of triumphantly turned up at san diego where he was the guest of honor and had he was the cover of the brochure and and the the san diego convention brochure that was his cover in 82 yeah and he won the the uh the inkpot award which is the you know the the convention's most prestigious award after the eisners right probably equal to the eisners and you know was really fated at that time as being like a complete hero of the industry and since then, he's kind of almost disappeared, and it's it's sort of tragic, really. It's 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 sad that that people aren't 
remembering it with the the reverence perhaps that that it really de- deserves you know well is he like uh denny o'neill and all those kind of guys from especially from the early dc from the 60s and 70s dc era all those artists from them right a lot of those guys have those bigger than life you know egos no i don't want to say egos personalities uh-huh you know and is is he more re- reserved Oh, he's he's a force of nature. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Because sometimes the, the humble, reserved guy gets gets kind of like not <laughs> talked about. And I think I think that's funny. But yeah, because I was wondering because this guy's work is so good. It's like how 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 does he even be like how it, do you go to twenty years later and you're discovering him? You've been in the industry by that time already, fifteen years or so. Yeah. You know, oh, he's a strong, strong personality. He, he, that's that's part of the thing. You know, I don't think you can remain so focused and driven for so long against all the adversities that he faced. Yeah, unless you were a pretty, uh, you know, powerful individual. And he's definitely not short on opinions. Or, <laughs> or uh, you know, what is what, what what he thinks? But he, but he, that that just blows my mind. And that's kind of I, I love that that sort of clarity and that. Yeah. Sureness that that this is important and needs to be done, and he always felt that he felt like his work, he had no choice but to do it. You know? What does he uh, does he have a thought of the comics today and all the things that are going on and how popular they are right now? You know, specifically with the movies. He, he he's very. His feeling is that comics should and could you know grow into many varied and uh, amazing forms and actually i think he thinks you know to be fair he's 93 and he doesn't get to the comic shops that often and he's not really got his finger on the pulse he's not online at all right so he doesn't really follow the trends or have a sense of the independent uh, publishing movement that has gone on i've talked to him about this actually and said you'd be surprised jack you know there's a lot more people doing what you're doing yourself because yeah there is kickstarter and there is other platforms and there is image and there's a, a really burgeoning sort of boutique movement at the moment which i which i just think is great i think yeah. if if he had more of a sense of it he would be i think he'd be quite pleased he'd feel like he he had a, a, a real part to play in that in that sort of growth of that independent market i, I think I independent think, markets or i think the independent comic book creator is the most important part of the market you know, more than Marvel and DC, because those stories are always going to be there. You know, yeah, their independence happened back in the thirties and forties. <laughs> you know, well, that's the, that's the thing. I, I think where it's tricky and it's something I, I came up against really is that I spent probably a decade doing independent stuff and trying to get independent stuff off the ground and just yeah. banging my head against the wall and couldn't get it anywhere. I couldn't get picked up, couldn't get seen. And it's only since I've got back on the the sort of bigger name titles that, that there's been any you know i've kind of had a second well a comeback right and uh, people say well you, you never went away it's, don't call it a comeback but it, it was a comeback <laughs> it's definitely a comeback it's a comeback you know? i feel like you know frazier or something it's like <laughs> arnie at the the Mr. Olympia. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like I definitely feel like this is a, a comeback for me, and I'm enjoying it. And, yeah. and in a way, I think that's made Jack's plight all the more um, 
palpable for me because what I see is somebody who worked very hard independently and didn't really reap any rewards from it. Does he sell his stuff? No, he doesn't. Um, He just doesn't want to or because artists are always weird, man. You guys are an odd group because either you're very much into selling your, your original stuff and, and going that route and being okay with it, or it's just no. Yeah. I'm, um, it's a good question and we all feel differently about yeah. it. I think he felt like because he'd put so much of his life and energy and effort into it, he just wanted to keep the first kingdom in particular all together. And he's actually, he's entrusted yeah, cool. me with, the, with the whole collection. I'm sort of curating it. Wow. I, I, I've, it's, he, he wanted it to go somewhere that he felt like it would be appreciated, properly appreciated. You yeah. Know? yeah. And I, you know, I'm crazily honored by that and a little bit overwhelmed by it. And I certainly didn't go looking for it or asking for it. And I, you know, <laughs> I've got to do my best by him one way or another. Yeah. I'm trying to figure it out. And this is like the first step there, there's many other pieces of work uh, that he's done. That I hope we can get out there, you know, over the, over time. But this is the first step, and it'll put some money in his pocket, which is great, especially since we've passed the twenty k mark now, which is amazing. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 it has been fantastic, really. <laughs> you know, it's I'm overwhelmed by the, the sort of the support. I hope we can get more more interest because it's not so much about how much money we, we raise. Although obviously for Jack that is a big deal, it's really about how many people we can get to see this and appreciate it and, and have the book and, you know, and appreciate Jack's work. And, you know, he, he deserves that. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is, man, I, I don't know. I can't, I could, you could talk about it forever because it's just, you're looking at his stuff and you're just blown away and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's when you were coming on and I yep. looked you up and I was like, Oh, okay, this guy's done a lot of stuff. This is cool. We're going to have a lot of fun. And then I saw your, then I, then I saw the actual Kickstarter campaign and I was like, how do I not know who this guy is? Right, exactly. And I'm well, 46. <laughs> you know, I'm 46 years old. I, I've been reading comic books since the early 80s, late 70s. You know, I've collected and, and I've done all this kind of stuff for a really long time. And it's just, it's so odd. <laughs> I felt exactly the same. You know, I'm 53 and I love Bernie Wrightson. I love Barry Smith. And I love Michael Kaluta. And those guys are all in the same territory. And for me, it's like, Cats should be completely up there with those guys. There's no question about it. Yeah. The work he did, you know, it's, it, it sort of reminds me of uh, the posters that, that when those guys all shared the studio together and the, the posters that, that Michael Kaluta did. And it reminds me a little bit of, of Barry Smith's sort of Conan days and Red Nails and that kind of intense inking. It's just, it's just amazing. So it, it, I had exactly the same reaction. And, and as soon as you see one piece, it's like, who is this? I, I've got to do some research. You know? And there's more than that. He spent like two years. He just stopped stopped doing comics and started painting. So there's all these amazing canvases of like <laughs> New York street life <laughs> from the 40s, oh, which, man. which nobody's seen. So that's another book I want to do. You know? <laughs> I, I, I love discovering new things. And it's just... People who do comic books just astound me because one, I, I don't think the general public who's, who are enjoying these movies that are off the back of all these people that have put blood, sweat, and tears into this art form don't understand the amount of work that goes into it. And 
I'm lucky enough to be able to run this podcast and and get to meet people like you that have gone through, you know, for lack of a better term in my head, the rigmarole of getting to a point where you can do things like working with Grant Morrison, working on Wonder Woman, and, you know, you've worked on X-Men and Spider-Man, all these things in the past and up to now. And now here you are just totally enamored with this guy that was, dude, the work that he's bringing out is just like, how I, I, he should be hanging next. Like, I feel like you should almost take the same. If you ever get to the point where you're selling or even just to show his work off, like, I feel like cons are a great place to do it and kind of take the Alex Ross route where they've gone, done this gallery style walk-in thing. And you're seeing these amazing, gorgeous work framed correctly, lighted correctly, and you're walking through and seeing this stuff for the appreciation that should be. Because to me, comic book art is high art, you know, especially when it's done right. And especially when it's done like that. There is, thankfully, a little crowd rallying around Jack. And there's there's a little independent film being made about his life now, which is great. There's a couple of exhibitions planned. There was a Bay Area one recently, but obviously with the... With the pandemic, it was that was really impacted upon. So that was a shame. But hopefully, the 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 Museum of Comic Book Art in San Francisco they they uh, going to have a. As far as I know, it's still going ahead. But hopefully, they'll be having a, an exhibition of his stuff, which will be well worth seeing in the in the next year. And you're right. I, one of the things as well about doing this project was I, I wanted to be over to be able to overprint so that we'd have a, a good, you know, amount of stock of these books yeah. specifically for things like conventions so that yeah. we could continue to sort of spread the word and get, get it seen, you know. It, it's it's a big part of it. And and this is my first campaign, so we're still learning the ropes and where the best where best to talk about it and who to talk to and how to share it and how to reach. Because, I mean, we all know what it's like. Every day there's another campaign in your inbox or on your Facebook page or yep. wherever you are, you know. So it's it does get. I think this is always the problem with everything. We we can get um, overloaded with with information, too much sort of sensory information. Like we were talking earlier on, you know, there's no way you can read every comic out there. No, people are quite people are. Fine. I, I expect it's the same for you, but people expect me as a professional to somehow read every single comic that DC produces and Marvel. And, and I, I can't, <laughs> I no. don't, you know, how, how could I, you can't Apart do it. From the, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't do it. You know what I read in the most right now is Savage Avengers because I just love Conan. And so, right. cause Conan's in it. That's why I read it. And, and really I'm <laughs> get, getting more into independent stuff like, right. uh, Stefan Frank's Palomino and his silver run and, Kevin Joseph's Tart. These are all independent guys that do everything through Kickstarter because they're not being published by a main thing, but their stories are complete. I don't have to sit there and know 50 years of backstory to not feel yeah. lost. And, you know, I, I, I love superhero stuff. I always will because that's what I grew up on. My favorite character growing up was magic and Spider-Man. Right. Those are my two. I was a Marvel person more than DC. Uh-huh. As I got older, DC became more important to me because they're a little bit more, I don't know. It's. I think they're. I don't want to say well-rounded. I. Just, I just think they. They just tend to. The vertigo line specifically just kind of. Yeah. Makes you want to read more of it as an adult. No, but, I agree. It's funny, isn't it? Because I grew up definitely a Marvel kid. Yeah. But then, as I got, you know, once I hit my sort of 
late teens, if I was going to be reading a comic then, I wanted to be reading Electro Assassin. Well, Electro Assassin was Marvel, but yeah. So you got your Dark Knight Returns, mm -hmm. and you've got so many of the, you know, all all the Alan Moore stuff that was coming out. It it seemed like the writing, particularly in that era, just gone such a step up of DC that they were really sort of leading the charge in terms of, you know, cerebral and intelligent kind of. Material, yeah, um, with those characters, it was it was fascinating. But I I think I, for a while it felt like that Marvel really nailed the mainstream, and DC really nailed the sort of highbrow aesthetics, yeah. Vertigo and all of that. Well, Marvel did I, that I, that teenage soap opera, you know, yeah. social anxiety and teenage angst, and they used real places, and it was yeah. a little bit more relatable. And Chris Claremont's run on X Men. I was just going to say Claremont's run on X-Men, you know, yeah. he used to love the way he wrote this sort of exchanges between, you know, Jubilee and Wolverine and, you know, Jubilee would always be sort of mouthing off and those huge, like, <laughs> those, those old comics had so much talking in. It was, it's crazy when you look back compared to what it is now. It's oh yeah. Way, way more panels, way more talking. <laughs> and Jim Lee was just like mind blowingly brilliant when he was working lie. on that book. When I was like 10 and I'd open up a comic book and it had so much dialogue, I'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing, you know, you'd sit down and you'd spend an hour reading yep. the thing, you know, yep. instead of like flip through it in 10 minutes, it's done and dusted, you know. Well, and and I, I think that's the other thing with art, with, especially when you look, going back to Jack and, yeah. and also what I try to do is like art that you, so once you've read it, you want to go back and, and spend a little bit more time in that world because you're not quite ready to get out of there yet you know it's like you want to swim in it and be in it and feel like you're part of it and that's what comics used to gift me it wasn't just about the story that's 100 percent, man it, what, what was when you're going back through your when you're thinking back mm -hmm. is there a time in your in in your young life of reading comic books that you're like i'm gonna do this or is there a book that that was i, re I just read this saw the art that was it <laughs> yeah well i think you know it's like almost every every few years you you switch it up you discover something new so when yeah. i was really young it was definitely all marvel i was like i want to be basima or i want to you know i didn't care whether it was like <laughs> daredevil or or you know it could have been any thor or, or yeah. um, I, used to, I used to really like the black panther would pop up in daredevil and some of the crazy stuff stilt man you know? <laughs> um all the Marvel stuff I used to get when I was a kid. And being in England, the weird thing was, like, you couldn't get a run. You'd just get it in your local corner newsagent store, you know, and it'd be kind of a random mishmash of On the spinner act. Yeah, so you, you'd probably get issue three of a four-issue story and never know how it started or ended, but you didn't care, you know, <laughs> which, is, which is interesting. When I think about that now, you know, pe people bitch a lot about how, like, issues aren't self-contained. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, and I, I don't know what was going on before. I, I never gave a damn. When I was reading Adam Warlock, if I had one issue, I didn't know what came before or after. I did not care. I yeah. was like, I don't care. I'm here in the cosmos yeah. with Adam Warlock. You know? How many times did you read that issue too? <laughs> right. It's like, well, I mean, it's quite nice going back later on and, and buying a collection and say, oh, that's what was going on. You know, <laughs> oh, I totally what, got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it doesn't matter. When Grant and I talked about this, we, we both were saying, you know, what we were trying to do with the, yeah. with the Green Lantern was to create a book that it didn't matter. If you didn't quite get it, you still were just enjoying being there. 
you know you felt like you'd experienced something and that that was really key to what we were trying to do but yeah to answer your question so as a kid it was definitely marvel that kind of thing yeah. and then i started I discovered heavy metal and there was also epic that marvel was doing that sort of more mature line mm-hmm. heavy metal magazine just blew my mind when i started seeing that Philip Drouillet uh, did Lone Sloan Delirious and, and Irrigale Erm and those crazy epics based like, it's like crazy. It's like epic poetry in space. It was insane. Yeah. Completely. That kind of stuff blew my mind. Mobius as Arzak was just, oh, yeah. Mobius what is, is this? just crazy just like channeling the subconscious. And, and again, who cares what the story's about? You yep. know, I just want to be there. <laughs> it's like dreaming. <laughs> yeah, um, do, Heavy Metal was, it, well, it still is an amazing magazine. It's it's yeah. the artwork that they come out with. Bart Sears is doing uh, a whole, a bunch of stuff with Heavy Metal right now. And he, him and his right. wife is running a series called Maiden, which looks fantastic. And, and it's still Heavy Metal. It's still one of the forefronts of, bringing on new artists and new stories and bringing out it's a, I think it's a good way for people who aren't known to get out there too if they can get in yeah. with heavy metal that's the that's the key right you got to be good enough <laughs> yeah that's always the key but yeah I mean back in the 70s when that magazine first launched and they they had all those I mean it was a size it, that had the same seismic effect in France and Europe that the the big comics like Dark Knight had in America on, on mainstream American comics. It was, yeah. it was the same kind of total shift. Right. Uh, and, and it just, you know, it landed like a bomb in the, in the industry. Back I then. love it. And it was, it was enlightening and all of that crazy stuff. Rank, rank Xerox Liberatore is insane. You know, that crazy robot. <laughs> yeah. Just, with, it just was drugs, rock and roll, mentalness, completely unhinged. I mean, a lot of it is, by today's standards, uh, would be considered very questionable, but it was uh, <laughs> morally it was and daring. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think the thing for me it was when I saw that stuff, it was like, okay, this challenges me because I I can't look away. It's like a slow motion car crash. Yeah, it, it's it's horrible and beautiful and terrifying and alluring. And she's not really. I never really understood that car crash thing. I I know you know. I don't really want to look at a car crash, but you know, I want to see the car itself, but I don't want to see anybody hurt. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I think that's but what it is for me. It's you, like oh. you understand the analogy. Yeah. So oh yeah. It's that whole thing of like it's the horror of you know something disturbing it's like when you're finally uh, super scared of a movie and you're like covering your eyes but you're like still yeah. opening your fingers a, a little bit so you can see it <laughs> yeah a movie experience is, 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 is probably true right? it's exactly right that's like that's like watching doctor who from behind the sofa when you're <laughs> really small or whatever what did your parents oh. think of you when you're like i'm gonna draw comic books for a living were they you know, supportive they were, they were awesome oh that's um, awesome my dad my dad could have, could and probably should have been an artist who, who's yeah. dyslexic and left school when he was 13 and nobody really knew anything about dyslexia those days. Right. He had a really good mind for spatial awareness and he's really, really good with his hands and engineering and all of that kind of stuff. But he had always really wanted to be an artist and just was in a time from a very working class background where nobody knew even how to begin to go about that kind of a thing. So it just, it just didn't happen, happen for him. So when I started showing the same traits, they were always just providing me with, you know, pens and pencils and paper. I mean, 
they didn't have much choice because whatever else they gave me, I would I'd just draw and then put to one side. And you know, and my dad always tells this story about how he bought me a, a little toy London taxi cab and I drew it from every angle and then sort of tossed it aside. And that was that. It was my that was the sum total total of my interest in the toy. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're like paper and pen pencil, please. <laughs> yeah. And then it was just comics. They, they just always seemed to be there, and it didn't matter if my, awesome. my uncle always liked Mad magazines. So I used to read his and he was in the Navy and just would turn up with like, he was quite, he had a big effect on me actually, because he would, he would come back to for sure leave and come and see my mum, his sister. And he yeah, had long hair and he hung out with all these rocker dudes and <laughs> he'd, he'd be playing Hendrix and reading Mad Magazine. And, and uh, I think it was him that actually brought the comics into my house, you know, a daredevil or whatever. Yeah. And, and uh, and so it, it, in my head, it was always associated with this kind of really cool counterculture, very different to, to, Rebel, to everybody Rebel. who was generally around. You know? oh, I love it. So, so it was, it was, yeah, it started with the Marvel and it led on to the sort of heavy metal magazine. And that led me into European comics and it go each sort of step. So I, I equate it a lot like music. If you love music, like the rabbit holes you can go down yeah. in any in any genre, and I love all genres. I'm a bit of a an old, you know. I love the fact this is changing, thank God. But you, you can actually say prog now without having to immediately bury your head and run out the back door. You can, right. like, you can hold my head high and go, "I love progressive rock." Oh, dude, and that's all right. <laughs> Rush is like my favorite band of all time, and they always well, will be. So there you go. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know right? exactly what you're talking about because people didn't get it. You know, no. you're like, oh, prog rock, and they're like, no, and it just. And a lot of it yeah. is they just want that short poppy song. <laughs> my kids are fantastic. Like, like I can put on Yes, and they know it. I can put on Rush, then I can put on Gentle Giant, and they know it. Yeah, it's uh, and they and they like it. And they have no preconceptions about it. And they like all the cool, you know, uh, the, the pop music that's, that's, that everyone's playing, you know, and they like the indie music and they like all, but I love that my kids love prog and it's not an issue for them. Yeah. You know? I think that's it coming down. I think it's coming down to the social media aspects of YouTube yeah. and daily, was that daily motion? I can't remember the other one, but we'll yeah. just stick with YouTube. The fact that you can just go on and, and just fall down those rabbit holes of, Oh, you like this and check this out. And then all of a sudden it starts to morph. And then you're into music that you never would have clicked on, right. and, but you're hearing it and you, and you don't have any preconceived notions of what it is. It's like when someone tells you about a movie or a song and they love it and they tell you all the things about it and they build this up and then you watch it. There's no way for it to, to hit that expectation, yeah. you know, and I then you don't like it because it, yeah, it doesn't hit it. But, but I think when you have that ability just to have, cause when we were growing up, how did you get your favorite song? Right. You put your blank tape. Right. On the, and you hope the radio is going to play it, and then you record it off the radio. That's how I did, yeah. anyways. And then that's right. And then most of the time, one tape that somebody got would end up getting recorded over and over again with all our friends. So we all had that same song, but that was the only way to do it. So getting class, invested with all this other stuff wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. And, and isn't it funny? You know, there's the videos doing the rounds of people are listening to like freebird by leonard skinner for the first time yeah. and having their minds blown you know they've never heard of it <laughs> i love it's it like, there's a uh i i, I fell down a, I, I fell down a, a hole just like that where they it was this guy in i think he's in south central and and he's a black guy so and uh -huh. he's like i you know most of his stuff that he's listened to growing up is all hip-hop and rap and all yeah. that kind of stuff 
And so now he he did he did like twenty different Rush songs, and he just was blown away. <laughs> he did a bunch of Led Zeppelin songs. He was blown away, and I was just like, "This yeah. is funny because he, it's like an honest reaction." And 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 he's having like he's like, "I had no idea all this stuff was out there." And then he did Dolly Parton, "I Will Always yeah. Love You," and he was like, "I thought this was a Whitney song." <laughs> <laughs> I I think I've seen the same guy, and he's going, you know, over Freebird. He's going, "Oh man, he's a player." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love you, man. But you know, it's it's not your fault. It's mine. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. Yeah, uh, I love that stuff. I, I love that stuff, and I think the kids are seeing some of that stuff, and then they're like, "Oh, yeah. look at these songs I've never heard of," and I think it helps. Yeah, and and, and again, it's funny. I know a lot of people. It, so my my uh, youngest son is is really into vinyl now, and he's oh, he's, that's cool. He's got a hell of a. He's got an amazing collection of records. He and he he goes to all the the vinyl shops and say, you know, finds these old records and he's got some beautiful, beautiful old classics, but he's got all the good stuff too. He's got you know, all the stuff that we would like. He's yeah. got, he's got, you know, he's got about three Zeppelin albums. Oh, nice. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it's so cool, but I, but at the same time, I love my iTunes. I do. I love my digital because that rabbit hole opens up for you the same way that like, if I hadn't had the internet, I would never have discovered Jack cats. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. And I think that there is a joy in having that ability to be able to, you know, find out about these people. And then you can track down, you know, again, through the, through the obviously not particularly always well thought of medium of, of Amazon or whatever. Of course you'd rather go to your local comic shop to, to get comics. But 100%. sometimes, you know, if you come across a Jack Katz and there is no none of that in your local comic shop, at least you know you you probably are going to be able to get a secondhand version on Amazon and have it shipped halfway around the world, you know. Yeah. And uh, and own the thing. So it's 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 all of those things. The world is is changing a lot and and being able to take advantage of those those possibilities is definitely makes the world a richer place, I think. 100% man. I, I I feel like you and I could probably sit here and chat for hours because we have yeah, well, next similar time stuff. In Seattle, we're going to hit that bar. And oh, it. yeah. It's, <laughs> yes. When when the cons are back and you're traveling again and I'm traveling again, we're definitely going to have to do that because, yeah. man, this has been a joy. I, and I want you to know, as we were going and talking about Jack Katz, I backed the uh, Kickstarter. And, oh, good man. Thank yeah, you, sir. And, and, I, and I tweeted it out that you and I were having a conversation and I had to, had to get it. Because, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, thank so you, man. Good. I'm getting the, I'm doing the art book, the 150 book page book. Good man, thank you, mate. Yeah, man. So, well, Liam, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was amazing. And it's a real pleasure. Yeah, and I hope you guys double what's going on in Kickstarter before the end of the day with, for Jack, and I think he he deserves it, and hopefully this gets his name out there more for people because. Man, we need more people like him. We do. You we know, do. he's an inspiration. Yeah. So this is sure. this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on. It's been great. And we're back. That's right. We are back. Back in the saddle again. Well, <laughs> I hope you guys really really enjoyed that as much as we did making it for you and if you like what you heard and you want to hear more you gotta go check out spoilerverse.com because at spoilerverse.com we have a 
plethora. Plethora is such a it's such a snobbish word. I like it though. <laughs> it's, it's a good word. <laughs> we have an obscene amount of oh, interviews obscene. with amazing directors and artists of all walks of life and editors and writers and oh my god are you a lover of comic books like we are and then there's so many so many amazing people from the comic book world over at spoilerverse.com and i highly implore you to go there and check it out yeah and while you're there you can check out all the other podcasts on our network like bridges and geekdoms and funny book forensics and haphazard adventures and nerds from the crypt and so many more misery point radio episodes all the time misery point radio they've got a ton of great stuff out there go check all of them out and Check out all of the reviews and previews and articles we have going up every single day for you. Every day on Swillivers.com for you to check out, to read, and to love, and to like, and to comment. We have a store link. If you want to help support the site, you can do it two ways. One, go to our Patreon, which is just patreon.com slash country, or go to our store link in the middle of the site there and get a t-shirt, a face mask, a hoodie, something. Look fly as hell and help support the site when you do that because we get a dollar or two. And, you know, maybe you want to talk to us. If you do, you can do it you know, obviously on all the socials. But if you go to scpod.us slash discord, you can join our public discord server and come chat with us all day long. I couldn't say it better myself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You just mouthed out a ton of information at once. And really, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy what you're hearing because we're, we're working our butts off to bring it to you. We are. We are. I guess there's only one left thing. One left thing? Yeah. I'm going to go with it. There's only one left thing left to do. What's that? In an oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind. And even more.